0: Hi, this is Dan Pastorini, and you're listening to The Grilling Truth. Welcome to The Grilling Truth's NFL Legends Show, brought to you by Gridiron Mo an interactive football app where you get to call what you think the offense or defense should do during a live NFL game, and see what all other fans have called also. Check out Gridiron Moe at www.gridironmoe.com. As always, for The Legend Show, I'm your host, Mike Goodpaster. I want to welcome in our guest today, it was a Dallas Cowboy during the 1980s. Um, help us welcome to the show, Tim Newsom.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it's great to have you on. Um, actually, we've got one of your team your old teammates, I think, is going to be on Friday, James Jeffcoat.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, James and I played together for several years.
0: All right. So let's just go back to the beginning. When did you first fall in love with football?
1: Uh, my first time I fell in love with it probably was my uh, sophomore year in college, believe it or not. Uh, up until then, It was somewhat of a struggle for me, and um, I received one scholarship offer to play football, and that was the Winston-Salem State University. But my love was baseball. But uh, it wasn't until my sophomore year that I actually fell in love with the sport.
0: All right, and you talked about being at Winston-Salem State. The teams were really successful when you were there, I think back-to-back undefeated seasons, regular seasons. You played for a legendary coach, Bill Hayes. What was your relationship like with Coach Hayes?
1: It was an excellent relationship. Um, he was the kind of person that pushed me to limits that I didn't think I had. And so coming out of a, a kind of a small town and then going to a small school, he enabled us to think big. And that's what he instilled in me. When I came out of uh, high school, I was only like 6'2", 180 pounds, and then I left at 6'2", 240 pounds. So they bulked me up and kept my speed down to an acceptable level, so I was able to get happen, And because of him, all of those things were possible.
0: All right, like we said, you played on back-to-back undefeated team. Whoa, what were some of the highlights from your college career?
1: I think the biggest highlights was the fact that uh, we went to the NCAA playoffs my junior year, and uh, we beat a good football team in Cal Poly, St. Louis Obispo, and then we went up to the University in Delaware and lost Heartbreaker by a large margin. I think it was like 35 to nothing. But that experience uh, enables a lot of us to have the confidence that we could play on another level. So I think that was a highlight.
0: So you talked about only one scholarship offer. When during your college career, was it then that you thought you could possibly play in the NFL?
1: Um, it actually wasn't until after my sophomore year that I thought I had a shot at it. And then when we duplicated an undefeated season, uh, I was pretty sure that I could play at the next level. And, of course, my coaches kind of geared me towards being uh, a candidate to play uh, in the National Football League. So I I began to think about it uh, after my
0: junior year. All right. Now, draft day, a lot different now than it was in 1980. You want to tell our listeners, you know, exactly what draft day was like for you getting drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 1980?
1: Well, uh, coming out of college, I was projected to go anywhere from uh, two to four rounds, and uh, I didn't go into the sixth round, and like everything else on draft day, most of the players selected in the first round were defensive players. I think Billy Sims was the first overall pick. He was a running back out of uh, University of Oklahoma. The next running back taken was a man by the name of uh, Earl Cooper out of Rice University, he was taken by the San Francisco 49ers, and everybody else kind of slid in through the lower rounds. So I didn't go until the sixth. And in those days, the draft really wasn't televised, so you kind of had to uh, listen to or read the newspaper or go through some sort of wire service to figure out who was being taken. So uh, it was a very stressful time because you just didn't know where you were going to go. And, of course, it was late. That evening on the sixth round, in those days they only had it uh, on two days, so I went the first day around eight thirty nine o'clock at night.
0: All right now you get drafted by the cowboys. What was that like? I mean that's America's team at the time, and you know Jerry Jones still claims it is. We don't know though because Jerry's kind of messing things up there, <laughs> but, um, what was it like just to go to a veteran team like that
1: well. It was it was exciting because I did not think I would have the opportunity to go to a team that I had kind of targeted coming out of college as a team that I would like to play for. Of course, they were a perennial playoff playoff power, and they had just gone to the Super Bowl a uh, year or so before, and they had a good nucleus of running backs. So it was kind of a bittersweet moment. On the one hand, I was excited to have been drafted by them, and on the other hand. I said, okay, now how am I going to make this team? So those are the two kind of contrasts that I had going through my mind. As it worked out, I was able to make the team and uh, played for quite a
0: while. All right. Now you get to that team, you played for one of the legendary coaches in NFL history, Tom Landry. You want to tell us a little bit about Tom?
1: Well, he was uh, a very, very good coach. Uh, He played defense for the New York Giants uh, in the days of – the fact that he and Vince Lombardi were on the same staff uh, there, but he played defense and then he coached defense with the New York Giants, and he was an excellent offensive mind. Uh, he understood defenses very well because he played that side of the football. But more importantly, he was a very strict disciplinarian. But he was hard, but he was fair. He was a very fair person when it came when it comes to the discipline when it comes to trying to figure out who was going to start and who wasn't. And in that regard, that's one of the things that uh, I enjoyed about him as a player who played for him.
0: All right. Now, when you were with the Cowboys, we talked about how they were a veteran team. I mean, you had guys like Tony Dorsett, Robert Newhouse in the backfield. Uh, Was there anybody that kind of took you under their wing when you got to Dallas?
1: Uh, Robert Newhouse. um, I had uh, just completed my second year. I was going into my third year. And I was struggling at the fullback position because in college I was a tailback. And uh, he kind of looked at me one day and started laughing. He said, you know, if you keep playing like that, I'm going to stay around for a few more years and I'm going to show you how you can take my job. And he was serious. And so uh, I would come up to his room every night to learn the nuances of the fullback position because it was vastly different than anything I had seen at Winston-Salem State University. And so he taught me the position and taught me the patience of playing the fullback position. So he was the one that really gave me the confidence that I needed to make it in the National Football League. And, of course, you know, he died a few years ago um, at a young age, but uh, I miss him dearly. But he was a great person who taught me a lot about the game of football.
0: All right, now one of the most impressive things when I was doing the research about you that I read was about how you realized as a player you wouldn't play forever. you want to tell our listeners what you did to prepare for the day you would retire while you were still playing football?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, When I graduated from Winston-Salem State University, I had a degree in business administration and a minor in computer science. And one of the things I told uh, Gil Brand, who was the player personnel director, is that I wanted to work in the off season and so he said, okay, he said, let us help you do that. He said, as long as it doesn't interfere with football, you can do it. And so I made certain that uh, I found some place to go that would allow me to not only work in the computer field, but also allow me to go to the practice facility every day and train. So I had the best of both worlds. And one of the things I found out about professional football is that in the off-season, there's no spring practice. Uh, Today they have OTAs, but it was very uh, kind of a loosely-blazed function of uh, workouts that, you know, in college, there's spring practice, and there's a lot of structure. In the National Football League, the structure is there, but, you know, you don't go to classes or anything of that nature, so you're only there maybe two, three hours a day, and then the rest of the day is yours. So I decided to take advantage of it and work for a company that sold computer software to banks, and so I did that for nine years.
0: Yeah, because I I read also, I mean, you were huge on the education. Your mother, I think, was your catalyst for that. you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Oh, yes. My mother was a uh, history teacher. And so um, a lot of uh, what I learned and the way in which I approached uh, the academics was based on how she instilled in me the values of education. And at the same time, I could probably – do both education and athletics. And so when I got to Winston-Salem State University, one of the things I did not want to do was just have a major just for the sake of going to college and keeping a scholarship. I wanted to push myself to the limit, and, you know, naturally, it was difficult to do, but I had to manage my time wisely. So having her as that catalyst, and she was my counsel, uh, she didn't know anything about football, but I could always ask her football-related Questions from a psychological perspective, and so she would always give me real good answers, and she didn't she never told me what I wanted to hear, but she told me the truth, and that really shaped me uh, going forward.
0: all right now, with the cowboys. They were really successful when you first got there. They, what, 80, 81, 82, make it to the championship games. Do you want to talk a little bit about your playoff experiences? I know you played in some great, some really memorable games, like the 81 championship game against the Niners.
1: Well, that one's the one that hurt. And to this day, I have never seen that game uh, on tape. I, NFL Network will show it every now and then, and as soon as I see it, I walk out of the room. Uh, that was our best chance of going to a Super Bowl And we had a real good nucleus of talent that year, and we just did not, uh, we just couldn't, you know, win that that game that day. Uh, Joe Montana uh, orchestrated a great drive that catapulted him into that victory, but uh, that was the one that I think he missed the most. Of course, we lost to Philadelphia my rookie year. Uh, That was pretty decisive on their end that they beat us, and then we went to San Francisco, and, of course, that third year we played the Washington Redskins, and that was a strike-shortened year, and uh, we just never could get on track. And after that, we would come out of the blocks real fast and then just fizzle at the end, so we just never uh, was able to actually get back into the championship game and get to a Super Bowl during the time I played. All
0: right, now you talk about 1982 being a strike-shortened year. I mean, what were your strike experiences?
1: Um, You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, that first strike, when we, and I you know, experienced two, 82 and 87, that first year was more or less about trying to get benefits for players who came before us. And the other strategic issue was to try to get second opinions on injuries that we sustained. And so uh, a lot of it had to do with that. And then, of course, we, you know, we played a few games and went on strike, and then all of a sudden we were able to reach an agreement that no one really liked. But we went back to work, and uh, it stayed that way until 87, so we struck again. But, you know, it's never a fun time when you have a situation where you got to play football and then there's a business side to it, and that was very difficult.
0: Yeah, and you talked about 87. You went through both. What were some of the differences between the two strikes?
1: Well, obviously, in 87, they decided to incorporate replacement players yeah. uh, in the event that we struck, and then we, when we walked out, that's exactly what they did, Uh all of the rookies and young players they had in camp, they would re-sign them and say, okay, if the current players strike, we want you guys to come back and play uh, football. And so that's what happened. And in that situation, uh, we went back to work uh, without an agreement, and we stayed without an agreement until the early 90s when um, a judge ineffectively said, you guys need to come to an agreement, and if you don't, I'll make the decision for you know both of you and neither one of you will like it. And then, so, of course, there was – agreement in place, and uh, it basically has withstood the test of time to this day.
0: All right. Now, you've had some really good seasons, especially 1984, 85. I mean, was it ever frustrating to be stuck behind one of the greatest running backs that ever lived, Tony Dorsett? And then they signed Herschel Walker, I think, in 1986 on top of it.
1: Well, you know, what was interesting about playing behind Tony is that I never started a football game while I backed him up, which was remarkable because uh, he was extremely durable, and i you know saw him get hit a lot. I saw him get knocked out of games and thinking he 's not going to come back in, but yet he would uh, go back in and play and um, it 's just remarkable that I never got to start a football game while uh, he was a tailback, and that 's the most glaring Uh, tribute to him as a football player is the fact that he was so durable. And so uh, I never got a chance to really run the football like I had hoped because he was just a very durable player.
0: Well, I mean, looking back at your career, what is the thing you want people to remember about your career the most?
1: Well, I did everything they asked me to do. Uh, I came out of college as a runner. They taught me how to block, and they taught me how to catch football passes and run great routes. And the, the two things that I did the least of in college, I did very well at the pro level. But I had the size to do the things that I did. So when they needed someone to uh, run short yardage plays, I did that. When they wanted someone to block short yardage plays, I did that. When they wanted someone to catch the ball five, six, 10, 15, 20 yards downfield, I was able to do that as well. So I was very versatile. And it wasn't uncommon for me to play tailback, fullback, and tight end on one series. So um, I was very happy that I was able to contribute in the way that I did.
0: All right. So your final year, I think it was, what, 1988? Yes. And you, I think you get released in, like, August of 89, that right?
1: Well, what happened was uh, Coach Landry got fired. And I had debated retiring at the end of the 88 season because we had such a dismal season. Things just weren't going well. And Coach Landry called me in his office. He said, I understand you're thinking about retiring. He said, is that your intent? I said, well, Coach, I would like to continue playing. I said, but I'd like to also, uh, we need to figure out a way that we can get back on the winning track. He said, well, Timmy, I think I can do that for us if you will come back and play another year. So I said, okay. Well, a few weeks after that, he gets fired, and then Jimmy comes in. And, of course, they talked talk to me about playing another year, so I decided to do that. And then they draft Daryl Johnson in the second round, who was a pure fullback, probably the only pure fullback in the draft at that time. And so as the training camp progressed in 89, um, they came to me, and I, you know, we reached the decision that it was time for me to call it a career. So that's what I did. And then after that, I just uh, finished up a couple of uh, information technology contracts for a few years. And um, you know, I was happy that I made a decision. What I did, because I left the game very healthy, could have played a few more years, and, um, you know, today I'm able to stay active and do things that probably I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do had I played too long. So I retired at the right
0: time. All right, so what's your opinion of the way the NFL treats the retired players?
1: You know, there's always going to be some guys who are disappointed at what they get or what they got out of it in terms of... Uh, salaries, monies, injuries, and things of that nature. But I think um, over the past three to four years, the NFL has taken great strides to protect the integrity of players while they played, after they played, in terms of the information that they're disseminating. You know, there's been a lot of talk about concussions and things of that nature. Um, there was an appeal that just was handed down by uh, an appeals court that upheld the recent decision. Uh, to help uh, players with concussions. But there's got to be a process in place that those guys can get the kind of help that they need if, in fact, they need it to help guys like Tony Dorsett who have uh, sustained some uh, concussion issues. But I think the relationship is as good as it can be when you've given management and labor. So um, I've always been happy with it. Would I like to see a larger pension uh, payout for all the players? Yes. And hopefully – Uh, the next round of negotiations will include something like that.
0: All right. So I know you said you retired after you retired. I know you started your own business in 91 or 92. You want to tell us a little bit about that and where people can get information? Yes.
1: um, I started a uh, business called New Tech Business Solutions, and it was kind of a a derivative of what I was doing as a uh, contractor. I started out computer programming doing contract work for small to medium-sized businesses. And as the uh, years wore on, I started uh, doing what's called systems integration work. And basically, what that means is we are uh, IBM business partners with Cisco business partners, and we go in and do a lot of in- infrastructure installations like routers, switches, wireless access points, and we do them in charter schools, mid sized businesses, and things of that nature. And uh, we sell a lot of uh, workstations, laptops, any technology. Uh, kind of initiatives that a business is interested in undertaking, we're there to help them.
0: All right. And where can people get information? You got a website?
1: I have a website. It's www.nbsusa.net. That's www.nbsusa.net.
0: All right, Tim. Well... We'll go ahead and let you get out of here. I know you probably got stuff to do. Uh, I Really, everybody, check out the business. I know everything I read that you've done after your NFL career was more impressive than what I read you did during your NFL career, and you had a really good career. I think you were even named to the Cowboys all-decade team at fullback during the decade of the 80s, weren't you?
1: Yes, sir, I was. Uh, And, you know, one of the things I really appreciated about my career is that the things that I did not do in college they taught me how to do it in the National Football League, and I cannot be more pleased with the outcome and the things that I did. Now, ending wasn't what it should have been, but, you know, that's just the way sports work sometimes, and things don't always work out the way we anticipate. But I was personally very pleased with the career I
0: had. Yeah, not too many people get to go out the way they want to go out, anyways. That's true. So, hey, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome back anytime.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. Until. Uh, Jim Jeffcoat, I said hello. I
0: will definitely do that. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim.
1: Uh-huh.
0: All right, guys. Make sure you check us out. Tonight we have the Gridiron Moe Super Bowl trivia show. Uh, that will be Airs Presidious with myself, Matt Andrew Scavage, and two color, two guest callers that are going to call in and play. Tomorrow we will have former University of Kentucky coach Hal Mummy, who was the creator of the Air Raid offense. Tomorrow night, me and Jeremiah Pricer will have Australian welterweight contender Jeffrey Horn on. Um, Friday, we will have former Dallas Cowboy James Jeffcoat. Um, also, Friday afternoon, we will have Jeff Severson, who was the safety for the Super Bowl Seven Washington Redskins. And, of course, Friday night will be me and Aaron Zepnik on Sports World. So, guys, make sure you check out The Grueling Truth at thegruelingtruth.net. Check out our sponsors. Gridiron Mode, www.gridironmode.com. Um, also, follow us on Facebook, The Grueling Truth, um, Twitter, at Grueling Truth, and you can also catch us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Music, and about anywhere else you find podcasts. So, for Tim Newsom, I'm Mike Goodpastor. You've been listening to the